We are back with another episode, and this one is brought to you as always by Laura Lee Smith. She's a real estate agent in the Bryan College Station, Texas, and surrounding area. And give her a call or text her at any time to find out why she is voted one of the best in the Brazos Valley. She got us into our very own dream home, made a seamless and easy transition from a rental property into that home, and took care of just everything. So don't take our word for it. Find out why we are so thankful to have Laura Lee in our lives. And give her a call or text her at 979-218-2315. That's 979-218-2315. Also, we have a coffee giveaway. You have today and tomorrow, which is August 4th, to post or go like the 95 Adventures Facebook page and share the coffee video with my voiceover that Stephen O'Shea made on it. And then we will draw the winner out of a hat Sunday, August 4th. So there's the information on that. Now, this episode is with DJ Rob. He just ran 45 marathons in 45 days from College Station, Texas to Las Vegas, Nevada to raise money for a music festival that he's trying to put on. And it's just a really cool story and adventure, and I really like the guy. So please, I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did with DJ Rob. And we're off and running again. Here we go. Whew. So, redo. You're running from Las Vegas, from College Station to mm-hmm. Las Vegas for the music festival. Yes. And what's the where, where is the music festival? So I had a friend who has some land out in Snook, <clears throat> about ten fifteen minutes away from town, and he's got a couple of acres out there. So our plan was to host the music festival out there and hopefully get with a ride sharing organization like uber or lyft and have it just no driving no parking rides only and then get with a&m and see if they'll give us their buses too wow Mm -hmm. that's pretty cool we wanted to be the first one of those festivals where transportation wasn't an issue for you to get to the show because you're already paying so much for tickets yeah accommodation if you're coming in from out of town then you got to pay for parking so one of the things we wanted to try and do was get with a ride sharing company and see if they would help us out, which would help them out too. Yeah, yeah. give them lots so, of money. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. So you like team up with everybody. You're not trying to bring the artists in. The show's already already planned, right? So what we were trying to do was raise money through Kickstarter, uh-huh. raise 100 Gs, and the 100,000 was mainly for production, just to produce the show from staging to lighting, staffing, you know, uh, security. And then... Through my website, I had a sponsorship package, and we wanted to leverage the interest on the Kickstarter with corporate sponsors. So if we raised 100K, it would give me leverage to walk to a Bud Light and be like, hey, guys, listen, folks really want this to happen. You know, the Kickstarter has grown. Yeah. You guys should come in as a sponsor. You'll be the sole vendor for booze. Yeah. And so that's where our you. leverage was. I got you. So we had a sponsorship package on, on my website. And then individuals would donate through Kickstarter to raise the 100 Gs. Right on. Mm-hmm. And they get these fancy shirts that we're wearing right now? That was some of the merch. I'm so stoked <laughs> to have it like, after watching it. So Cheers. You, Cheers. You documented the whole thing on Instagram, and I was following nice. thanks to Kim, and I was like, man, I am, I'm into this thing. Like That's This awesome. is super cool, man. I That's mean, awesome. 
all the things you got to, and I've traveled that exact line that you're running, you know? Oh, nice. So you so, knew. Yeah, I was you actually going to tell you, I was like, that's why I sent you the message. Are you in Williamson, Ar- mm-hmm. Williams, Arizona? Because I do remember that. We there, stayed there. Yeah, there's a cool breakfast spot downtown. <laughs> I was like, hey man, hit it up before you go yeah, home. We just, did stay there. Yeah. 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 So, um, that was just, it was just neat to watch and see, and you're not a runner, are you? No, I run occasionally. I've done a couple of marathons. I've done a couple of marathons before, but, um. Nothing close to what I was planning on doing, you know. Nothing close to that. I've ran, um, I'd say I run about two a year. I run about oh, two marathons okay. a year. Um, I, oh, I started sweet. about four or five years ago, just running five, six miles every day. And so I enjoyed it. And in my head, I said, you know what? This would be pretty badass to run in Las Vegas. But, but I didn't quite know <laughs> I what it. I was getting into. I love it, dude. That's awesome that into. you had, like, you're like, oh, man, I... I just had this idea. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with it. You just got to go. Yeah. And I just looked into my bag of tools of what I had to accomplish the festival. And I was like, man, I can run. There's one thing I know I can do for sure is run. And, but the challenge was the 45 days and the 45 marathons. That was the challenge. And the idea behind that was it was so audacious to do that I figured it would get people's attention. Yeah, you but know? then, I mean, most people, you think most people can't take off work for 45 days. Mm-hmm. So, and, f- for me, it's a little easier just being in College Station. The DJ business kind of slows down since the mm-hmm. college kids aren't here. And so, that's why everybody was like, why would he do it in the summer? It was just the perfect time for me. And then, we wanted to execute the festival <laughs> and a year away from the run. And we knew the run would end, you know, beginning of August which is when we'd want to do the festival next year, 2020 in the fall. Makes sense. So it just worked out perfect. Yeah. It worked out perfect. So 45 straight days of running marathons. Mm-hmm. How does your, <laughs> how's your body feel about Like, How does your body feel like Two days that? ago, it felt horrible. It was, <laughs> it was trying to adjust. It's feeling a lot better, but I'm still super sore. You know, Super sore. So running a marathon a day, does it ever get to a point where like, I'm, your body's kind of used to that? That feeling? No. No. I say that about 26 miles. I think I respect ultra runners so much because every time I get to 26, no matter how much I've trained, it hurts. It hurts a lot. It hurts a lot, a lot. (laughs) It hurts a lot, a lot. (laughs) Yeah, it sure does. You're so happy in your videos, dude. Mm -hmm. I had to be. I had to be. I mean, the alternative was be upset and come home upset. Yeah. You know, not having finished, so... Try my best to stay positive. That's the only way you can survive out there. It also seems fun, though. It does. In some sort of way, I mean... I it's may the be, adventure in it. Yeah. You may seem like torture, but it seems like it's... I'm looking at it like, man, I sure would like to do something like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe not running, because I'm not a fan mm-hmm. of running that much. But... Something challenging, right? Yeah. At the same time, I may want to run like that, because... That's a cool way to get to... Like, you ran to Las Vegas. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? When you say it like that, yeah, it sounds crazy. Yeah, it, it does. Is. But it's it's like, oh, the things you get to see along mm-hmm. the way, like good and bad. I mean, you get to see True. kind of like a raw version of where everybody's passing by in such so a hurry quick. and so fast. You get to see it and take, your t- and take it in. You mm-hmm. know, like, you get to see all the litter on the side of the road. You get to see the way people treat each other when they're driving or when they're traveling or when they're stopped. You know, you Precisely. get to see a lot of different things. I, that's what's running through my head when I'm watching. Like, how cool though, would it be to see that in slow-mo? Absolutely. You know? And whenever I talk to anybody on the phone about my, my journey, that's one thing I told them is, 
it's so crazy the stuff you see that you wouldn't see if you were going 75 75 miles an hour in a car yeah people how many people are on their phones and how many people are not oh. concentrate you see everything on the road you see litter like you said you know wildlife so because a lot of, a lot of roadkill a lot, oh, a man, lot, lot of roadkill. Road they don't even know what's coming. They're like, uh oh. Right. You know, we went to, uh, when we went to Big Ben, um, I used to live out in the country, so I was like used to seeing dogs, you mm-hmm. know, get hit by cars, you know, my dogs, and it tore me up a lot, you know, when I was little. And then you kind of like, oh man, you get sad, mm-hmm. but then you get used, kind of used to this, seeing that. Mm-hmm. I guess if that sounds weird to say, but um, uh, when we went out to Big Ben, there's rabbits. Everywhere. Everywhere. And they don't know that that's a car. They're just trying to beat these lights coming Absolutely. across. And I mean, it's like, doo-doom, doo-doom. and you're like, Kim's like, oh no, what? You know, like, <laughs> what happened? I was like, we can't swerve the car because of a rabbit. Mm-hmm. You know, if we did, we'd be in a ditch because look at them, there's thousands of and them. And that's exactly here. what happens. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure you get to see a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of that. And stuff. that was kind of, that's what's kind of scary was um, we took off at about three in the morning. Three or four in the morning is when we try to get on the road. So. Every single day? Mm-hmm. Just to beat the sun. Yeah. Because, you know, like you said, you've been out there. You know what the terrain is like. You know what the temperatures get to. And so we wanted to beat that. So we'd take off, you know, while it was still dark. And like you talked about that roadkill trying to cross the street and people swerving. That was... Oh, man. Was I didn't even put that. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I thought about people swerving in the text messages, and you know, because people, you know, cyclists get hit all the time. But I didn't even think about the the swerving for animals and, and you're kill. running and they're like ah oh human yeah. absolutely <laughs> it's scary <laughs> uh, and bet. then also I, I i understood the fatigue and with some of these truck drivers because you would see them just get off the road for a bit it's just fatigue and that's another thing people some people are on that road for hours man and so that's scary too because you lose a little bit of concentration i can tell you that from first hand experience cuz i drive a lot okay i drive like 65,000 a year oh wow and there's times like man you get really it just gets old mm-hmm. you know you see the same thing i'm not traveling to, you know those truck drivers aren't traveling to all the time to the prettiest places yes and you know you're it just gets like man, stretches of nothing, and you get tired. Absolutely. You get really tired mentally. Mm-hmm. That mental strain is probably harder than physical strain yes. at some points in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for I like sure. that too. On this journey, <laughs> mentally, I was exhausted. I was exhausted. So, what? I guess, man, you're running. What are some of the craziest things that you got to see on this trip? Like, Oof. some of the most memorable things. I saw some interesting, some interesting graffiti. Um, the roadkill and the smell that came from the roadkill because of the heat. Oh, that was that's, horrible. That's pretty. That it, was to- if you're downwind, it's like oh no, no man, that was horrible. And then. The pee bottles. There were so many pee bottles, and I know a lot of them come from the truck drivers. And really, I'm under the assumption see, that they you... have times they have to keep from pickup to drop off, so they can't stop as often. And so these guys just pee in bottles and until it gets full, and then they just chunk it out the door, out the window. And some of them bust open, and it just sits there. 
in the sun. Oh, oh, uh, yeah. oh, oh. And you know and that's those the truck impact. driver's diet. Oh, horrible. Not good. Gas station food. Oh, and not drinking just water. Water. Mm-hmm. For sure. <laughs> that's got so, a lot of toxins. That was tough to deal with. But uh, just being out there was nice. It was pretty. Yeah. It was pretty. And I'd never been that route before. Ever. Never. Isn't that northern part of Arizona awesome? So pretty. I love. I actually uh, enjoyed it a lot more than I thought it would. I'd never been in the northern part until uh, two years ago. We went to, we spent Christmas in, uh, we went to Grand Canyon, Zion National Park, mm-hmm. spent Christmas there, and then went to Bryce Canyon and came back home. People make it sound like just desert, but it's no. It's got good, really pretty texture. Yeah, it does, mm-hmm. it, and the people are nice. They are. Yeah, I like yeah. it. I, I the weather, the climate, the people, like the area was nice. Williamson, like we spoke about earlier, that was really nice. Yeah, I thought Small so too. Town. Yeah, Small it is town. a little town. You're like, mm-hmm. oh man, I don't know about this. You know, we stayed in just oh, there's not a lot of hotels in that little town. No. <laughs> so we stayed in one, we we stopped there because we're going to the Grand Canyon. It's mm-hmm. late at night. You know, we left here at at two uh, thirty in the morning because we like to drive. Then when the sun goes down, we stop there. So we pushed hard mm-hmm. and we made it to. To Williams, and we're like, I hope this isn't a sketch hotel. You know, we're just going off that. Then we got up in the morning, and it's just a nice little town. I mean, gorgeous. And the people were cool. They Mm -hmm. have a little downtown area that's real nice. We ate there. Oh, yeah, you did? We had barbecue out there. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. A nice little town. Yeah. I really like it. I wish I could have spent more time at Flagstaff because it looked cool. It was getting dark, and we didn't have a lot of time. We ate there, and then we made it to Williams. It reminded me so much of Denver. Really? Like Flagstaff did. That's awesome. It was pretty town too. Yeah? Mm-hmm. The people were cool there too. But, um, so this, do you know who's going to be in this music festival no. already? And and that's what, that was one of our downfalls as far as funding. Um, there's a saying, talent sells tickets. Absolutely. So, with us not having a lineup or a roster of some big names or just names, period. It made it really hard for people to donate money. Because a lot of people kind of want to know, hey, man, I worked hard for this money. I want to know who I'm paying for, who I'm going to get to see. But we didn't have money to book artists yet. So what we did was we said, hey, listen, we need to raise money for production. And I'm trusting and hoping that you guys know I've been a DJ for a while in this town. I know who you would want to see. If we raise this money, I'll leverage my sponsorship package to get exactly who we'd like to see. That was one of our biggest downfalls was we should have... People had to just trust you. Mm-hmm. That I would, if we raised the money through the Kickstarter enough to just have the show, that one, the, hopefully there would be a buzz about what we did and that we made our goal and that would attract talent or leverage the sponsorship to say, hey, listen, these people want to have a show in this town you can make X amount of dollars if you come and do your vending. Please get us this artist. You'll make your money back, was what the plan was. Because I just, personally as a DJ, I just didn't have 150K to get, you know, who I don't it is. have it either, and I'm not a <laughs> right, DJ, just right. so you know. Yeah. <laughs> right? And so that's the route we went. Um, as I've told everybody, I've had a lot of time to think about mistakes I made and the things that I did really well in the run. You know, we were out there for hours each day. And I think what I should have done, what I could have done better was reach out to a certain group of artists 
and have them commit to performing if we funded the project. And while you're running. And the, exactly. While, and I'm while running, you're exactly. running so they can follow your journey. And, and then everything. use that on social media to create more of a buzz because, hey, this artist said, hey, I'm going to perform if you guys help TJ Rob reach his goal of 100K for the production of the show. That would have been a lot different. And that's yeah. one of the mistakes I made. So. Gotcha. So what, what what sparks this? Like, have you always... Has DJ always been your thing? So I um I went to A and M. I played rugby at A and M actually. Oh, that's awesome! I love I rugby. rugby I'm not like I it's have, awesome. I, a lot yeah. of our guys do CrossFit, and that's how we trained in college. Oh, okay. I think it was Black Box. I don't know if they're still. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, Black. They're not still around, but yeah, that was yeah. Uh, two of their trainers would come train the the team, and so that's what we did for a while. Um, so I played rugby at A and M, and while I was in college, that was my my job was that I was a DJ. I first started off as a bartender. At uh, one of the local bars here in town, and then I would play the music as I bartended, and we ended up being the busiest floor every time I I, I would bartend. And so the owner came up to me and he was like, "Hey man, you should probably take DJing more seriously than bartending. You probably would make more money." And so I took up DJing and I got on YouTube. I taught myself. I actually reached out to a local DJ for mentorship and somebody just you know just get me through the ropes. And get me started, and he all he said was, "I have equipment for sale." That's so it. Was, that's all he, he said. Would, he didn't he want to help me out. He didn't want to help me out. So, is that the culture? Is that the culture of DJs like in small, not in, in small towns. towns? I mean, in small. I agree. That's what it was. I don't know if it's small town or if it's on a smaller level. For me, I felt like it was it was a small town, and the pizza was kind of small, and I was taking a slice. That's what you know. I know, and we don't have as many bars, and. There's not as many gigs at the time. You know, it was a small town then. It still yeah. is, but there wasn't as many bars to play in. And so I figured that's why he, he felt that way. So thank God for YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I got on YouTube and I figured out what equipment to buy. And um, I had a good library of music. I've always loved music, thanks to my folks and um, MTV, I guess. And so I've just always, I've always loved music. So I had a good library of music. And all I needed was the hardware and the software. And then I just taught myself. So you just figured it I out. I was self-taught. And, That's awesome. And, um, played for a while in college. I left. I moved to San Antonio for about a year. Then moved to Houston. I worked for Red Bull. I was in sales. Um, great company. But just a, I, did, I didn't like the position. Man, sales. It's uh, tough. I, I, I did commission only uh, food service stuff for a, long, for a while. Mm-hmm. And... While I would not want to go back to that job ever, it taught me so much. Agreed. It really does. Agreed. It's like the best education you can get when you have to figure something out. And like get, there's no rule book. Mm-hmm. There really is no rule book. You have to make people like you. Correct. Complete strangers because seven other people sell you the same exact thing at the same exact price. Very true. And you have to get used to getting told no. Yes. You have to get used to getting told no. Uh, so I guess I didn't want to get used to getting told no. So I reached out to a friend and I said, hey, man, I have a crazy idea, but I'm a big festival goer. And I think we lack that in College Station, especially because the people who attend these shows are the millennials. You know, it's 18 through 35 and that's a big demographic in College Station. And there's no reason why these kids should be traveling to Houston, out of state, Austin, to go to these shows. 
when we can host something similar. And there's a lot of people here. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of people here. Mm -hmm. And and the university is not going anywhere. So there is a market for, you know, for live music. And so he said, but dude, that's a really good idea. Why don't you come out here and um, brand yourself? See if you still have a following of people wanting to see what you're doing and what your projects are. And then we'll we'll go from that. So I got got in town. I got with uh, a good friend of mine, Martin Hooper. He's the guy who designed my logo. Um, Did a phenomenal job. And so I started to brand myself. I put up billboards, yard signs. The t-shirts got really popular. And I started to build this brand. And then that's when I voiced my... I let people know what my intentions were. Which was to make a transition from DJing, which I do love. But start booking talent and bring more live entertainment to Bryan College Station. So that's what... So you've had a goal about doing that for a while then? Uh, about two years now. That's pretty cool. Two, two, two and a half years. Man, that's hot. That that it's neat the way you followed like the things that you love to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's scary, but yeah. Oh well, is. yeah. And I've had this. I I love that. Um, I love. I don't want to say rolling the dice is a bad word, but you know, I've uh, uh the one year thing was with uh Chet Garner, the guy that does the day tripper, mm-hmm. the day tripper guy. Mm-hmm. And one of the crazy things was he was an attorney, so he's making tons of money. Like he's making good money. I want to say tons of money. It sounds weird. But he's making good money as an attorney, and he leaves that to do something that he loves where he has to pay to do it and hope that it makes money. Like, he wasn't getting a paycheck. He wasn't getting anything in return. He had to pay, go do it, produce it, and then hope hope. that that thing made money after the fact. And, And that, when you think about that in that sense, it's like, oh, that's scary. But to him, he was like, Dude, it was an easy decision. I loved it. <laughs> That's the best way. You completely 100% describe what the run was. 100%. <laughs> and that's exactly how it was. It was difficult. It was hard to explain to people why I would do it. I wasn't getting paid. I didn't get 45 medals at the end of this thing. And so it's really hard to explain to people, like, why would you put yourself through that? Why don't you just try and get a loan at a bank? <laughs> Make this easier <laughs> on yourself. No. You know, but it was enjoyable, too. You know, like you said, part of it was fun. How many people can say they ran to Las Vegas? Right. (laughs) From College Station, Texas. You know, like you always hear about people doing bike rides across the country Mm -hmm. for a fundraiser or whatever. But I mean, really, who like very few people have done that and experienced it. And now you have something under your belt that's like nobody can take it away from you. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. Like it didn't. It cost you time off. We did. You know, because you only make money if you're DJing. Agreed. <laughs> so <laughs> my bank account yeah. will tell you that now, right? So mm-hmm. I mean, you're you're basically like this is just purely for the love and the passion and trying to get this thing off the ground. And I think that's what I love most about it. It wasn't just some like advertisement, like "Hey, look at me! Mm-hmm. I'm raising money for this fun." Mm-hmm. Look, and you know, it was legitimately like, no, I'm, I'm not making money while I'm doing this at all. And I'm running, and I've got to stay in hotels, and I've got to eat, and I've got to agree, you know, all that stuff. So that's that's one of the interesting parts. But so you can tell that you love it. You Absolutely. love like you enjoyed the run, even though it hurt. It hurt. <laughs> you enjoy trying to bring these people into College Station, so that people here in your town can see music, can enjoy it. Yeah, because I get to do it. Because I don't have you know many responsibilities with a home or. You know, a big, a huge business. So I'm able to travel quite a bit and watch some of these shows. And I see 
people's reaction to live music and how they interact with each other and how it brings people closer. And that experience is something I really wanted to give uh, my hometown. That That's awesome. So you, you were born and raised here? No. I was born and raised in Nairobi, Kenya. Kenya? Uh-huh. No wonder you can run. <laughs> <laughs> we gave it away. <laughs> Everybody now thinks I'm a cheat. No. This fraud. No, please look at a picture right. of him. He does not right. look like a Kenyan no. runner. So, <laughs> yeah, I was born and raised in Kenya, and my folks moved here. Oh, I forget when they moved here, but anyway. Were you, like, really young? No, I was about 16. 16. 16. So, I did my junior and senior year of high school in Houston, and I played for uh, Katie Rugby for Katie Rugby High School team. Yeah. And that's how I got recruited to play rugby. For so, how did your parents find their way from Kenya to Katie? My dad actually went to college at Marquette. And I forget where my mom went to college, but they both met here in the States. Believe it or not, they're both Kenyan. And they both met, What are the chances met, of that? They, right? I know. And the families knew each other, too. And we, there's for sure no Kenyan dating site. No, there's not. You know? No, there's not. And so they both met here in college, and their families knew each other. Graduated college, moved back home, and then my dad's kids had aspirations to be bigger things and financially it made the most sense for him to come back and find a job here so he is a engineer for the city of houston wow Mm -hmm. and so we moved to houston my whole family moved here and that's how i ended up at a&m do you ever go back i haven't been back in a while the closest i've been about three or four years ago i went to south africa so my brother went to flying school in south africa and he wanted us to see where he went to school so Flew back to South Africa about four years ago. That's the closest to home I've been. So do you think like your parents and their, like, obviously it takes a lot to go to Marquette, I would think, from Kenya. It does. Like, um, how do you get into Marquette from Kenya? SATs, just like everybody else. And then you're an overseas student, so you get a student visa. And um, I think financially, my grandpa was did well for himself. Okay. And so he was that able helped to, out. I mean, on both yeah. sides of my mom's, my mom's uh, dad did too, and so he was able to pay for them to go to school here. But still, that's man, that's a it trip. was it was. But the thing is, that's what separates the kids back home is that education. Did you get your education local, and or did you get it overseas? Because if you did, it kind of validates you a little more. So if you get your education overseas, uh, over the, there, you're like, oh, you're the man. You're the man. No, oh, you're the man. Is the schooling like harder over there? Absolutely. It was cake here. <laughs> I, you're the high second, school, I high school had, here was uh, was a good time. I just had a guy on the podcast from Poland. Oh, nice! And he came over here for like at eighteen for college, mm-hmm. and he was saying that A and M was easier than his high school. That's um, what that's what he told me. That that's what he said. He's like, it's he, more demanding for sure. Back home, yeah. especially the sciences and math, are a lot more demanding. When people think Kenya. Is. I can tell you in my mind, I don't think education. Mm-hmm. People think tourism. Yeah, you don't think that, mm-hmm. you know? So that's 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 pretty interesting to hear. Mm-hmm. So yeah, my folks, my dad came out here to be an engineer, and that's what he does. And um, no, he actually published a book last year. Really? Mm-hmm. What's the book called? Let everybody know. Uh, Hoodwinked. Hoodwinked. Hoodwinked, and it's on Amazon. And it's on Amazon. Mm-hmm. What's it about? It's about the effects of religion on African culture during colonization. So Dude, if we if had it was on Audible, personal... I would download it right now. That's <laughs> awesome. Mm-hmm. So Christianity, Islam, 
the effects of those during colonization on African culture. I'm sold already. This is so cool. How awesome is that? I thought it was badass. He did that too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I learned a lot about my dad in there. Yeah. And kind of like you said, that's the one thing I took away from his book. He, he talks about it at the beginning of his book. You know, each one of us has a story. And, and this run was, was part of my journey. It was, it was my story. So it might not be in a book, but it's with me forever. What do your parents think about you running from, like, this long journey of running? 45 marathons <laughs> in 45 days. I can tell you, every time I got on the phone with my mom, she was like, you know, you don't have to do it. You can just come back home. And then my dad, <laughs> my dad, I don't know if he understood why I was doing it or what was going on, but he was like, just keep going. Don't stop. Just keep going. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing. What's he doing? That's exactly whatever. Just keep going. Just keep going. Just keep going. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. So Uh, it took a long time to allow my for my parents to allow me to be myself. You know, they're really big in education. My dad has his masters, and so they really wanted me to go to college, graduate, get a really good job. Um, But I tell everybody, I'm the hippie in the family. Um, I just, you and me, this is why we get along. I'm definitely the guy that went off the rails absolutely. in my family. I, I wanted to try everything. I was told not to. And I figured myself out. It took a while to get there, but I figured myself out, I think. Yeah. Well, obviously. I mean, it. I, I just love the journey of like, hey, man, you're going to Texas A&M, playing rugby. Mm-hmm. Nothing to do with DJing. At all. Like, it's <laughs> such a crazy... So now you can imagine how my dad feels. Yeah. And then you've got... Um, now you're looking at like, wow, now I want to be a promoter pretty much, right? Mm-hmm. A Absolutely. promoter of shows. Absolutely. So you want to start bringing in people, setting Talent. up shows. Like, yes. That's a legit skill and some hard work. It is. I don't think, I think people think like get an outside view and think that it's all, man, that person who is running that show mm-hmm. That is a lot of work. It's a lot of sleepless nights, too. Everybody sees the flash, and, oh, he knows everybody, and everybody knows him. It takes a, a minute to get to know those people. Yeah, yeah. and they're it's like, oh, man, this guy's mm-hmm. staying with him. He knows him. He's so cool, mm-hmm. man. Can you get me backstage? Like, exactly. dude, do you realize? What it took. I haven't slept in, like, six days because <laughs> yes. I got guys I got to have take out the trash. I need bartenders. I need to set up venues. That's I've got to have insurance. I've got You've got everything, mm-hmm. and everything goes wrong. Everything always goes wrong. Yep. And, that, and you have to with. fix it before anybody even notices. Agreed. So it's it. There's a lot of things that are behind the scenes that you're like, man, that's a tough job. But believe it or not, that's the stuff that I think people who do what I'm trying to do enjoy the most. Is when stuff goes wrong and figuring it out. Yeah, I learned that too on the run. Nothing I believe goes as we plan. Nothing does. But I think the people that are successful are the folks that are able to adjust. Those are the most successful people because nothing goes to plan. I don't care what company we could talk about that started, be it Apple, Facebook. Nothing went to how they drew it on paper. But the people who are able to adjust, it's a fun ride. It's a fun ride. And so I've gotten better at that. I've got a, better, I've got, I've got a less stress. I just take things as they go. You know, Things are going to happen. Do you think that's because you like what you do? Do you True. think that's that's most of, like, being able to adjust on the fly and figure something out? I mean, obviously, I'm that type of person where I look at something and, and I'm determined to figure it out. Yes. And, and I always think that there is a way. It may not be that way, mm-hmm. 
okay, that way didn't work. We can go this way. And, but those things interest me, like puzzles. You know, like mm-hmm. puzzle pieces, looking at it. I'll sit there and try to fix a puzzle, even if I'm stuck. Like <laughs> Almost when I'm stuck on a puzzle is when I get the most enjoyment Correct. out of the puzzle is to find it. So, uh, but, so some of it is obviously the person. But then at the same time, if you love something, like you mentioned Apple and Microsoft, mm-hmm. and, you know, whatever business is, it, they loved it. Agreed. Steve Jobs loved loved it. He like did. It was his passion, mm-hmm. you know. And so you've got, if you have that element in there, you're going. Do you think that that helps out with, make like, figuring out problems, and that's the fun part. Like when you fix something that you love, that's the enjoyment. Completely. Like you said, a lot of it, and for me, it's because I enjoy it. I think of people that who have jobs they don't enjoy. You do what you're supposed to do and you don't go any extra. You're not trying to figure anything new out. But with DJing, especially when it came to marketing myself, I had to figure things out. I think I am better at marketing now in my life than I am at what I went to college for. Because I had to figure it out. But I really enjoyed it. I really loved it. I loved figuring out... Hey, if I put up this billboard, will it really work? Will I get the attention that I need? Will people understand what I'm trying to accomplish? And then it busts, and I'm like, okay, well, let's try yard signs. You know, I loved that. I've loved every every minute. It's been expensive, but I've enjoyed every minute of it. So you built this following up in College Station, so people know who you are, and you DJ, mm-hmm. you, and you talk to the crowd. No, no, which you is don't... so weird. Um, my at first, all. My first DJ name was DJ Silent Bob. I can't tell you. You're gonna you're gonna laugh. Um, um, I, I was sitting at my girlfriend's house this morning. And I was like, "Babe," she goes, "What?" I'm really nervous about this podcast today. This is at 8 a.m. and me and you are gonna meet more than 12 hours away. And it's just like I just I know what I'm good at, and public speaking isn't it. I'm trying to get better at it, but DJing just gives me that. I know I'm good at this. I don't have to talk. People are not here for me to talk. People want to have a good time. I just have a... Once you come around the DJ booth, I do have a personality. I just don't have your radio DJ personality. You know, where I'm talking oh, and I'm yeah, interesting. No. And I'm telling you everything you want to hear. I just know what to play. I think you're very interesting. I think you have... <laughs> like, so... Cheers. This This thing... This is the... It's hard for people to be themselves on Instagram... And Whoa, that was hard. And talk to you, and talk on you know, and say some things where people want to follow. Mm-hmm. That's a difficult skill. I don't think people understand that either. Like how hard it, when people sit in front of this microphone. You talked about getting nervous. People sit in front of that, and they it automatically changes their demeanor and their personality. And like some some people, they get nervous, and that's natural, like human thing. Yes. There's a vulnerability with a microphone in your face. Correct. <laughs> because that thing's going out to everybody. You know, that that was that's me on this thing. Like, dude, when I hit publish, it's what gone. I just said goes out everywhere. I told I told Kim I said on the couch the other day after a podcast and I went, This is such a crazy thing because it's a like I'm confident, I feel good, mm-hmm. you know, I'm talking to people and then I hit publish and I go Oh, wow. Man, what did I say? <laughs> right. How did it work? I hope that everybody likes it. Uh-huh. I hope that I did I hope I did the guest justice. You know where did I go wrong? So it's there's a there's a roller coaster of emotions there with that. Agreed. Um, but to expand on your situation is I didn't say anything growing up. I was like silent. 
I mean, people thought I was a jerk all the time. I'm like the nicest dude in the world. I would help everybody way. out. Yes. But people thought I was a jerk because I didn't talk mm-hmm. unless I got to know you. Well, how do I get to know you, man? I got to do an activity with you almost to get to know you because I am like that just silent. I didn't have anything to say. Like people don't want to hear what I have to say anyway. I see. You know? And uh, the sales job broke me out of that little shell. Red Bull and I was scared to death mm-hmm. of that job. And I, I needed it at the time. And so I forced myself to do it, and it was a. It felt like a long road. It really wasn't mm-hmm. in actuality, but it felt like a long road. But once I figured it out, I was like, I like this. Like, I really enjoy getting to know people. I don't enjoy the. I don't enjoy selling you something. Mm-hmm. I enjoy what you have to say back to me. Like I enjoy <clears throat> talking to you, and so that's what I. That's what I figured out that I liked, and I can see a lot of that. Like you just be you and. Mm-hmm. I mean, work out. yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> Dude, hearing about what your personality is like makes me feel like I wish I had asked him to do this run with me before I took off. <laughs> that because that's so what much. it is. Oh. That's what it is. Getting on the road, not knowing, but just having a positive attitude. Like, I'm going to meet some people. I'm going to chat. We're going to get along or we're not, but we're going to keep it moving. And every day, I didn't know what was coming. I had no clue whether it was bad weather, whether it was getting flicked off by a truck driver in oh. Arizona. I had no clue. So what kind but, of weather did you run into? Not to take the this fl- off the track, no, but I mean, um, that's, that's... Texas, me. before we left, there was a uh, there was a number of storms. So, in fact, a couple of days, um, which I got a lot of, I got a lot of not very nice messages about. I had about two or three days where I had to run in the treadmill because when we took off to go run outside, it was raining. It was horrible. And my goal when I left here was to finish. I didn't care how I did. I remember telling people if I had to buy a wheelchair on Craigslist, I would. But my goal was to finish. And so putting myself in danger, being five feet away from oncoming traffic in the rain was not worth you know, I not wasn't trying to prove all. anything to anybody. You're not trying to die. And so what I did was I promised everybody I would document the miles, you know, with timestamp pictures and post them. And it rubbed. I don't even watch Iron Cowboy on Netflix. It's the guy who did 50 Ironmans in 50 days in 50 states. Well, we just watched it when we got back. It was. I didn't know that was on there. I got to watch it. Now. Oh, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. But anyway, he had the same thing where he was in Houston and they had. Um, what was the hurricane in Houston not too long ago? Harvey. Uh, Harvey. Harvey. And so he couldn't he couldn't cycle. He couldn't go outside. So he had to do it on a treadmill. He got a lot of um, bad press for it. But that's one thing we had to deal with when we talk about weather in Houston. We had about three days, so we had to do 26 miles on the treadmill, which was brutal. If anybody knows, running on the treadmill is way harder I do. than the outside. I do. It's, actually, <laughs> it's consistent. It's actually way worse. You can't slow down. It's the same pace for every hour until you have to change over. And the scenery doesn't move. Oh, I, absolutely. And you get tired of watching ESPN 30 minutes on 30 minutes on 30 minute cycles. Yeah, there's no... Yeah, it's just, <laughs> so it's, TV it's, doesn't it's do old. it. Like, mm-hmm. there, there's something about being outside in nature. You know, that's mm-hmm. why I don't like running, but I like... Trail running, I can run all day all long. Because trail running, there's... You don't know what's around the next Agreed. step, and it keeps my ADD in check. Maybe mm-hmm. if you want to say whatever you want to call it, it keeps that like the you know, things point. moving by. But um, for some reason, like you know, you'll run on a track. I mean, you can, that's for the bees, man. You don't have that. You know those. Agreed. Ul- and some of those ultra people. That's how they train. It's on a track. Mm-hmm. You're running some of two hundred the- miles on a track mm-hmm. in a circle. Some mental toughness. 
Totally. <laughs> that's what I respect about it, and that's why I tell you why I loved having Paul Watkins on because there's a men- there there is a mental thing that I appreciate with those people because it's not the steroids. It's not. It, there's no mm-hmm. performance enhancing drug that can just be like, oh man, this is going to help you so much in this. No, it's mental, man. I agree. You got to be mentally strong. I to learned keep that hundred percent, and it came in. I'd say after the first week. So what did you tell yourself? Um, what are some of the things like you don't want to run, and then how does that how does that work with you? Like you- after the first week, especially after I mean maybe more than a week when I got on the treadmill too, my calf was killing me. Actually, every muscle in my body was hurting. Everything was hurting. And then, because it was a two-man team, we had to make our Walmart runs right after I got done running. So, I'm making this run. We're trying to find food to eat. So, my sleep time is maybe six hours, if that, you know? Just because when I get back, I'm trying to do Do the whole trip? The whole 45 days? Oh, yeah. There's there's very few nights I got eight hours plus. You started three o'clock in the morning and then you're looking at... And when I get back, I'm not sleepy. I'm not, you know, sleepy. I want to do some recovery. I'm trying to watch some TV. And it's because it's daylight. It's, you know, it's harder to sleep. But, um, so I wouldn't get as much sleep as I'd like. And that made it hard to take off in the morning. So it sucked. I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to do anything. I just wanted to go home and sleep. Um, but I'll tell you, over this 45 days, so it's longer than 45 days, almost two months, I think I grew mentally tough more than anybody that I know. And I had to. I had to. I had no choice. The weather was changing. I was away from family. I was away from my dogs. I was away from my friends. I was in the middle of nowhere. Um, I remember waking up multiple times and looking at the Kickstarter, and we were sitting at 2%. So we were sitting at $2,500, and our goal was 100000 and it's so discouraging. It is like the worst mental state you could be in, knowing that you have to do this again in the morning. So you wake, you see that Kickstarter, and you're like, dude, oh, I, what if I run to Vegas and I have $2,200 in the bank? If, if that went on for 30-plus days. I, I can't tell you how many times I thought to myself, like, I'm just going to tell people I fell, and I couldn't, I couldn't keep going. I thought about every excuse on these runs is why I shouldn't do this because people want and you'll see it when you watch Iron Cowboy because he goes through the same thing he is trying to raise money I forget what his cause was but he was trying to raise a million dollars and then day 35 he had less than $7,500 you know Uh. and he's put himself through so much and you you know in your head you're thinking man this is one of the most selfless things I've done and I'm not getting the response so why should I even do it but I'll tell you how I built my mental toughness um Something I learned a long time ago is if you just set short, small goals, just short-term goals on your run, you could be at home, but for me it was on the run, it helps tremendously. So, for instance, I was hurting so bad, but I tell myself, okay, Rob, from where you're standing to that speed sign right there, just give it everything you got. Just go and don't stop. And no matter what happens, no matter how bad it hurts, just go. And when you get there... Pull out your water bottle, walk, chill, relax, and constantly doing that, constantly giving yourself a pat on the back goes a tremendously long way to building your mental toughness. And it's it's translated with everything I've done. Just setting goals and saying, hey, you know what? This is all I got to do. And then I can chill. This is all I got to do, but I have to do it. You know, that's what helped me along on the, along the way on the trip. 
Yeah, turning that negative into a positive. Completely. Like you reversed just, it. You flipped it around mm-hmm. and went like, okay, I'm gonna I'm hurting, this sucks. But I'm gonna make it to there and I'm gonna reward and, and, myself. And then and I'm gonna go. set another goal. That's it. And then I'm gonna set another goal. That's and it. it's gonna suck. And then I'm gonna be rewarded and I'm gonna win. And I'm winning. I'm constantly winning. When really like your body's hurting and aching, mm-hmm. you're tricking yourself. Absolutely. That with a mixture of understanding what the goal was. And who I was doing it for, and what it would what what it would bring to the city of College Station, but at the that sa- was huge. At the same time, you're like twenty two hundred dollars, man, dude. You get yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> it's brutal. Yeah. I'm like, I know I'm doing it for them, but they're not even helping me out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, think about it from their perspective. Let's go and look at it. You're like, well, here's this guy from College Station. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're in a typical college town, mm-hmm. I guess. Well, not typical, but it's, it's it's different growing. than others, but it's like it's a college town. You know, you have a lot of engineers, a lot of like wealthy people here that don't yes. give t- they they don't want to go see a music show, Agreed. and they don't care that you're running to Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to give that guy money. He's just yep. he's just trying to get money. Mm-hmm. Like that's all he's trying to do. And you're looking at so it's a hard sell on people, and I'm not blaming them. I'm saying from the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. It's tough to get behind somebody that's just randomly running for money to Las Vegas. Agreed. So what my goal was, which is not how it went, was to display some resilience and passion that hopefully would translate to people as, if this guy's willing to do this, he's going to bring something brilliant. Like, if he's willing to put himself through this, and when he gets back, all he's got to do is make some phone calls to make this thing happen, here goes my... 20 bucks you know which is what I how I thought about it but people would take it but what ended up happening was the run became bigger than the cause people didn't think about the festival like you said people were thinking like what they, they were sitting around with popcorn watching is he gonna do it is he gonna make it what's happened what's all what's going on with the drama today yeah so it became about the run and it stopped becoming about the festival which kind of hurt me uh, I'll be completely honest did it hurt that. or was it was it I mean, it's a byproduct of you have to post it and you have to document mm-hmm. because you've got to get people to fall. Because honestly, I don't think people are going to care. When you talk about branding, mm-hmm. like you had to brand yourself Correct. as a DJ. Correct. And this run was for this, mm-hmm. but you've got to brand it. And that brand is you. Mm-hmm. So people are care if they don't care about you, they're not going to give you money. True. Because True. then they don't think that it's genuine. Agreed. But as soon as they go, man. This Rob guy, look at what he's doing. Mm-hmm. I really am invested in Rob. So Which I don't is... care about the music festival as much as I care about Rob running yes. to Las Vegas. So here's my money. True. But it's twofold because I know, I know you're, I think, maybe I might have heard his name on one of your podcasts, uh, David Goggins. Oh, I love Dave Goggins. I just yeah. finished his book, by the way. Yeah, I did, too. Holy I just smokes. On the He's the man. Dude, I, when I work out now, I even told Kim, I was like, when I work out, I, I like, there was a run the other day with Medball. <laughs> I was tired. I mean, I'm giving it everything I had, and I went, I don't want to do this. And it was uphill with a 20-pound Medball. And I told myself, oh, you said you don't want to do it? I'm sprinting. I sprinted yes. until I almost died. <laughs> and I'm like, this is like three workouts in a row where I have literally gone... I can't give any more, and I go, oh, no, yes, you can. Mm -hmm. You can not only do that, you can do it at 100% now. Just because of listening to that, yeah. It's awesome. And he's a regular guy. Yeah, and he tells you, he's like, 
I was stupid the way mm-hmm. I did it. Like, don't do it the way I did it. <laughs> he does it. say that in his book. But don't try mental to toughness. Agreed. Is yeah, the, Agreed. the lessons in the book. I mean, Goggins' book helped me push through this thing quite a bit. We actually tried to reach out to him, but he's he's a big... He's He's busy. not very big on social media, too. He'll post, but I know he doesn't follow anybody, which is good. You know? Yeah. It tells me he's there for the right reasons. <laughs> but um, he, He's been doing this for a long... With nobody mm-hmm. watching. Ex- exactly. And and so, I, I love I, him... I really think some people have pushed him to do this other stuff uh, so that he can make some money mm-hmm. because I I really don't think he would have done it on his own. I completely yeah, agree. I get that from him, the whole thing. Like, he he does not care about the cameras, the, the interviews, nothing. The, yeah. Agreed. That dude literally just wants to go out and test himself. One thing he, like I was saying, he talks about just twofold with what we were saying is, I'll be honest with you, also when... You try and do something that most normal people can't do. It rubs some people the wrong way. You yeah. know? Some people feel like, man, here's this guy going out there trying to make himself better. And I'm sitting here at work and I don't like my job and my boss is bitching me out. And I got to go pick up the kids at 6 o'clock and this guy gets to run around in the sun. It doesn't, some people just don't like that. It doesn't make yeah. them, you know, and it doesn't sit well with them. And I think that also came across. And... All those things was it was just different feelings I was going through, and it's very hard to want to display that on camera because then you come off as needy and whiny, and everybody's sitting back like you're the one who decided to do this. Yeah. So it was hard to it was a very tough balance of trying to let people know what I was going through so that they could invest in me and be invested. Like, hey, man, this dude is badass. Yeah. Or keep doing it and make them feel bad about their lives and why they're. At their job when they should be doing something and chasing their passion. That's why so people a, got mad at your, your treadmill. Absolutely. And, it but, was it gave them an opportunity for them to poke at my project. Yeah. 100%. But then, it, so I mean, I all the time play like movies out in my head mm-hmm. while I'm driving because I have a lot of windshield time. So I, my imagination goes crazy. <laughs> nice. And I constantly think like, man, the first time I get a negative comment about something... Mm-hmm. I'm going to be ecstatic because that means I'm doing something. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you got negative comments. Fact I, you're a superstar, man. <laughs> man. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> but I did. I even got some hate mail. I did. No way. I did got some. I got some a really. I read it almost every day I was out there. Somebody sent me a really tough email about what I was doing. The whole, the whole journey or mm-hmm. just the treadmill part? Uh, no, the whole journey. And why would I do this? this why would they stuff. take the time to do that? That's my point. Have you ever wondered that? Mm-hmm. Like, but you know, it's, you have internet heroes. People who sit on their computers and can say whatever. This is why I have a problem with like believing Yelp reviews. True. Who's going to take the time? To, I would never take the time to do it. You know what I tell I mean? my friends. But I'm not going to take my time to go on that platform. You know, And trash it. Like, what if it was just a one-time account? Agreed. And you know? you've probably been there multiple times, but this just rubbed you the wrong way. Yes. Like, you just happened to come in when a waiter was having their bad day or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then you're running this whole journey. You're not doing any damage to them. And that's What how are you I doing felt. to them? That's is, that's exactly how I felt. You if know, you don't I, like I, it, I, don't I, donate. Mm-hmm. And, what, and let me tell you what is even worse. Some of it came from close friends. No. Some of it came from people I've known for a very long time. And I think that's what hurt the most because in my head... I assumed they knew who I was, and they knew like this. This was very selfless, 
But I think it rubbed them the wrong way and they felt, you know, here goes this one guy who is part of us, part of our family, and he's leaving. He's stretching himself out to be better. And we're just going to stay here. And we're not doing anything. Whereas in my head, I saw it as support me and I'll pull you up. You know, let's do this together. It is So not to bring it back to that book, but that's one thing David Goggins that stuck out in that book Mm -hmm. was... All the people, like when he was talking, I think it was the pull-up challenge. Yes. I think it was it. When he was like, all the people that are hating on him and coming out, that's insecurities. 100%. Their insecurities are coming out through this hate towards, um, and and it may not have been that part of the book, so Mm -hmm. if somebody wants to correct me, they can. But he was pointing out like that all the the hate and everything that goes across Mm -hmm. is other people's insecurities. Like, I, I can try and fail. It doesn't hurt you, but... You're insecure because you're not doing anything. You yes. are sitting behind the keyboard and you're thinking, I would like to, but I haven't. And it's my fault that I haven't mm-hmm. done it. And you're, then here's your close friend doing it. Ugh. It's like, dude, that's even worse. That's, hurts. that's not like the internet people. That hurts. It, you know, and so it's something I had to deal with and I couldn't spit out any negativity because it would translate to the run. I'd get tired. You know, I'd get injured. So that was tough. That's part of the mental toughness was blocking that stuff out and getting back on an on, on Instagram live and saying, hey, man, I'm having a great time. I'm out here. It was part of it. Yeah. It was part of it. Well, and to me, that was the toughest part. It wasn't the running. It wasn't the heat. It was dealing with, you'll see it in the Iron Cowboy. It was dealing with, with, with friends and family and some backlash, especially even like when I had the surgery, people were like, dude. Just give it up. So what did you say to them? You're good friends. Like, I want to know how you handle this situation with... Because with so many posts and comments and you hate mail, like, okay, whatever. You, mm-hmm. I don't know you. Mm-hmm. When you know somebody, you're emotionally invested with them. It hits a little One of them, I stings. actually did bite back a bit. I did. I did. <laughs> and I remember saying something. I did. I remember saying something along the lines of, have you ever done this once? Just one time. I plan on doing this 45 times. Have you even thought about doing this once? Because if you have, then you know you're welcome to the table and we can chat. But if you haven't, and that was the worst of it. But then it got to a point where I knew it would affect my running. And I'd just be like, you know what? That's their opinion. Just keep it moving. You don't have to reply to that text. That's the truth. You don't have to reply to that post. You know, because you, you, you give them energy. You know, because that's what they want. They want something to talk about. They want something to go back and forth on, on whether the treadmill was a good idea or not. Maybe you should do this instead of that. I just don't. I just do what I did. And when I did this, there was no rules. You know, I set the rules. So I didn't have to not go on the treadmill, go on the treadmill. I did what was best for my safety. And that was getting on the treadmill. So you don't have to like it. But unless you're going to come out here and do this with me, don't set the rules for me. Nobody's going to do it. Mm-hmm. 45 days, 40... I mean, was, look how many ultra runners there are in the world. Not, not a lot. Not that many. I seriously, there's not that many. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, he talks in that book, like, he looks around and he can see every one of his competitors. He can look them all in the eye at the starting line. And they all I mean, know each other. Yeah. It's like, you know? So, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, there's not a lot of people that are willing to run 45 days and... 45 marathons in 45 days. Yeah. That's... I mean, my brother ran one for the first time. I've never run one. For shit. yeah, I've never run a marathon. <laughs> shit. Um, obviously, Kim, Kim is super competitive. She's run them before and got she's into. She's done it. BCS, hasn't she? She's done several. Nice. Uh, one was just to win a jar, a special jar of pickles. 
No way. And dude, she's the most competitive <laughs> human in the world. CrossFit and, is a perfect place for her. Then yes, it is. It one hundred percent is. She's the most mentally tough person that I know. That's, That's what awesome. I say all the time. That's because, awesome. Because when she sees something, I, I say it like this. Somebody asked me like, "Oh, it's like you're gonna go until it happens." Like, oh no, not there's no until, there's no maybes, mm-hmm. there's no ifs. That those words don't ever come out of her mouth. That's awesome. Ever. It is. It happens. There you go. Like it happens. Like, <laughs> Maybe that's what should have taken on the run. Right? And I have to be careful with what I say now because uh, even going to a friend's house, like, oh yeah, we should go fishing. She, as soon as we get in the car, she goes, "You better." set that trip up now there you go I do not like false promises there you go and it, it makes me like think about what I say and also it's got me to actually take action great you know and, and I love doing it it's so awesome. it's that little nudge and I appreciate that mindset yes of I do that too. sort of thing and so that, that's what you're doing like and mm-hmm. the to block out all of that stuff and just say I don't care what you think it's ultimately like Letting people decide your destiny, like hey, wait, you're not, you're not me. Agreed. Agreed. You have, we, we don't have the same goals. If you don't know what my intentions are, you're just watching. <laughs> yeah, you went to AM yeah. and you're sitting up in your little office mm-hmm. and you're making your 150k. Exactly. What am I hurting you by? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a DJ mm-hmm. that's running to promote this thing that I love to do. And that's the other thing, kind of like what you're doing here. That's another thing that is tough for some people is. My buddy Martin talks about how some people don't like others to do more than one thing really well. You know, we come from a culture where you go to school, you graduate, you get this job, and you should excel at that job. But if you look at some of the most successful people, they do multiple things really well. You know, and it's okay. It's okay to try new things. And I tell my girlfriend all the time, the one thing I'm not afraid of is failing. I am not afraid of failing. I'll try it. If it doesn't work out, I'll figure out why it didn't work out. You know, it was just part of this run. I didn't, just like it, the marketing. It, it, it didn't work it, just like the marketing. I didn't. I wasn't able to fund the festival and Kickstarter, but we've already tried to figure out new ways of how to make this thing happen. Yeah. It's part of the journey. A lot of people don't like to fail. It's very scary. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Yeah. And then it brings out your insecurities. Yeah. You know, because then you just cower down, you know, you hide behind a rock. Um. Um, I think it, got, it took a while for me to get to the point where I was comfortable with myself to where I, even my failures, I don't care if people see him. You know, it's not just personal. Even other people see him. I think it builds character. So, well, you put it out there. Exactly. It does build character. Mm-hmm. It builds the most character. It's the best learning. You don't want to fail. No. Failing sucks. It does. <laughs> that is never the goal. I, I hate to lose. I'm just yes. as competitive as Ken. I mean, I, I hate to lose. Mm-hmm. I love competing. And we compete against each other. We've never been on a team together because we like to compete against that's each awesome. other because we push each other. <laughs> but at the same time, that's what we love to do. We look at it. And when you fail, it's like, man, I don't want to fail. <laughs> but I learned a lot from that. Agreed. Yeah. Now, let's talk. Like, so she's in the room. Your girlfriend's in the room, and she joined you on one. I remember we were going to do this thing over the phone. Yes, we were. We were going to do it over the phone right before you finished, which I thought, that's a cool idea, actually, right? Like, right before, you know, get your feelings while you're out there on the run towards the end yes. when all the pain's in there. But then your girlfriend shows up to do she, she, she a actually, marathon for the first time. She actually was with the crew for the first 15 days. And then she had obligations, uh, summer school. She had a wedding back in Houston. So she left for about two weeks. 
and then she joined back up the last two weeks. And um, let's say the first two weeks she would do about, she's run half marathons, but she'd do between four to eight miles. You know, she'd walk with me, run with me four to eight miles, whatever it was. But then I was so into it by the second half, we were doing this thing straight. We were doing 26 miles straight. And so she would do the first half of me. She'd do 13 with me. When we when we met the crew, she'd get in the car. I'd do the, the, the rest of the run. One morning, we took off, and we it was overcast. And I think that's what set her off. <laughs> right? Because it was Arizona, and it was hot. So I don't think, I don't know. She'll tell me if she did have intentions of doing it or not. But it was overcast. And it wasn't going away. It felt like, oh, this is going to last the next eight hours. And so we pull in to our marker at 13. No, actually, we're pulling in to 13. And she goes, I'm going for it. I'm going for all of it. All 26. I was like, okay. <laughs> Let's see how this works out. Let's go. And that was um, the top three moments of the entire run. It's because she had adapted what it took to do a lot of things. The mental toughness is like, nothing is perfect. But when you see an opportunity, just take it. There's not, you know, just take it. You don't know how it's going to work out. It's going to hurt. It's, I remember it was mile 18 or maybe mile 20. She stopped. Almost done. And she just stopped. And then we walked a little bit. And we got to 26. And I think she figured it out. She figured it out. So that was great. That's awesome. It was, I know. It was a good feeling. Yeah. I bet it was <laughs> nice for you because mm-hmm. you get to, like... Now you have a partner running with you. Yes. Nobody else joined along you the the whole time. No, and we encourage people to do, to join us. But I think when I would get injured, it kind of threw off the dates I had set up because I had a map and I had dates of where I would be in each town. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. on these dates, I'd be here. And when I would get injured or when I went through my surgery, it kind of threw things off. So I think it kind of messed up people's plans of saying, "Hey, listen, I'm going to take off these days and go run with him." So we didn't get as we didn't get anybody join us on the run, but we had hoped somebody would. What did you have surgery for? I forgot to go through this. Like you're in oh, the yeah. middle of this and you had surgery. <laughs> well, so that? we, we just... forgot that you had surgery in between <laughs> this 45 days. <laughs> oh man, that was so crazy. Especially because um, we thought that the reason I was feeling the way I was feeling was because of the running, but it wasn't. It just happened. So I had just crossed into. New Mexico. I had done 34 miles on my 34th birthday. Oh, that's pretty uh, cool. I, well, two, I think the night before, I was like, I'm going to do this. I've never done anything over 26, but I'm going to do it. So I did 34 miles, and I was pretty tired. The next day, I did the 26 miles. I was fairly tired, but then the next day, I only did 24. And I remember posting and telling everybody, hey, I owe you the two and a half, because I think I did like 24 and a half or something like that. And I was like, hey, I owe everybody two and a half miles. Even though you ride 34. Right. <laughs> I was like, well, Math I'll catch up. doesn't add up there. <laughs> I know. I'll catch up the next day. And it was just exhausting. And plus, going into New Mexico was the first time we were experiencing like some serious heat. And so that night, um, I woke up in the middle of the night, I think about one o'clock, and my tummy was hurting. It was a really sharp pain. And... <laughs> Phil's going to kill me for saying this. Phil's the guy who was in my crew. And he was like, Rob, just take some ibuprofen. It's not that bad. You're just whining. And I was like, in my head, I'm thinking, bruh, I've been through a lot of pain. If I tell you it hurts, 
it hurts. <laughs> like, right? Like, I promise I'm not whining. But he's probably heard you whine no, a little he, bit. And, uh, true. And then also, he's tired. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's having to wake up early in the morning, you know, put a shake together for me. And he's just like, dude, I'm trying to get as much sleep as I can. Yeah. And so, it happened twice. And that's when he was like, okay, this is serious. This dude's in pain. And so, he drove me to the hospital. And they gave me, uh, I don't know, what's the one way? Is it a CAT scan? The one, like the bed? Whatever it is, yeah. the cat scan. So they give yeah. me one of those, and the doctor comes back in, and he goes, you're going to need surgery immediately. And I'm just, like, crushed. I'm crushed. And the, mo- the reason I'm crushed is multiple th- reasons, but mainly because I'm like, this is done. There's no way. I don't even know what it's for, but there's no way I can continue. And he can see it in my face, and we ask him, what's the deal? And he goes, you need your appendix removed before it, you know. It gets worse, and you need to do it within the next hour and a half. And where we were, I think we were in Santa Rosa. That was dude. That's where the blue hole is. I know exactly the blue hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just scared to jump in. It was so that place is awesome. It is awesome. Oh, that's such. It feels so good. And you're talking about being hot. It's like 110. Yes. And then you jump into a natural hole, freezing cold. It's 60 degree water. Yes. All year round. (laughs) Yeah. So you know what we're talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. I got videos of so me and my son jumping off the We had just rocket. got into uh, New Mexico, and it was just so hot. It so is hot right we there. We thought that's what it was. But anyway, he told me I needed an appendix taken out. And he Let's was, go ahead and state that there's not a lot around there. Nothing. So we had to get in the car in pain, drive, I think, an hour to Albuquerque. New Mexico, which was the closest big hospital, and they had coordinated and set up my surgery. So when I went in, I was going straight to surgery. So we got that done. And before I'm sitting with the doctor, telling her what I was doing, and she's so excited. She was like, "Oh yeah, you seem pretty fit. So this should be, you know, pretty straightforward." But you're not gonna be able to continue running. You can't because one, you have glue, and you don't want to break that back open. You just need not do anything for six weeks. And I remember, I'll never forget, I looked at Phil and I was like, you know I'm going to run. And I looked at him because I couldn't do it without him. Yeah. You know, and I needed his cosign, but we couldn't say it out loud because he probably wouldn't let me at the hospital. And so I look at Phil and I'm like, you know we're going to do this, right? And he gave me the eye back like, okay, we'll do it. And Dude, so, shout out to Phil. I know, he's my man. And I'm, I'm so thankful for him because I know he spoke to my mom. And so I know in his head, he's like, I just told this dude's mom, like, I'm going to get him home, <laughs> you know? And so, um, <laughs> I'm about to right? <laughs> we do the surgery and we go back to the hotel and now it's just me and Phil. I'm like, how do you do this? I, I can't leave tomorrow. We know that, but we can't stay too long because we're on a budget. I mean, financially, we can't stay in Albuquerque too long. So how are we going to do this? So he's like. Just take your time, and when you feel you're ready for it, start walking. So I took one day off. So I had surgery on Sunday. I took Monday off. Got to watch a lot of telly, and oh then right, gosh. and then Tuesday, we found a park, and I said, you know what? I'm gonna do three miles. I'm just gonna walk three miles. I'm not gonna run because I don't want this thing to open back up. I'm just gonna walk, and I, I think I documented some of the three miles. So for the next four or five days. I just walked three, three and a half miles. And then on, this is my favorite moment of the entire trip. A Sunday from the day I had surgery, I got up and I ran 30 miles. I ran 30 miles. 
And so, no pain, no nothing. Man, were oh, you scared that it was going to bust? Till today, we look at it every day. It is swollen. It is completely swollen where they went in. And it's just because it hasn't had, haven't had any rest. And But also, that was another thing that was going on in my head was like, Rob, if you can go through this surgery and run a week after, there's no way you don't get the funding. There's no way that people don't think you're the man for the job. There's no way. Still at 2500 for a whole week. Still at 2500 for a whole week. So, so what did you hit at the end? Oh, so I got to give him a shout out if you don't mind. This is... Yo, tell everybody. Yeah. <laughs> There's a gentleman called Josh Gamble. I've never met this guy before. Um, I, I think he's a friend of a friend's. And he heard about the story through Facebook. And there was also a KBTX a local news interview. Uh, article that was written about what we were doing so he got a hold of it and then he followed me on social media and just kept kind of like you did and he just kept up with me from day to day when he had a chance he'd check in and see what we were doing and so he got pretty invested and so i think he just rubbed him the wrong way and he was like this is unbelievable that this young dude is going through this stuff and he's not getting the backing and he's doing it for us you know he's doing it for the city of college station so he took his time out and wrote this really nice article on Facebook. Oh, really that guy. Okay. That I guy. remember you posting like, dude, I'm so heartbroken. Oh, like, I reposted I your, your thing about that. I cried. I reposted your video about that that uh, that guy posted mm-hmm. the article. So, I mean, you, you get a lot of you know people posting on Facebook while I'm on the run and my phone would buzz. And I kind of looked at it. It looked like a long article. So I kind of skimmed through it, but I didn't really read it. Kind of hard to do that while you're running. I, right? And so I stopped. Uh, so I don't remember where we were, but I stopped to take a break and drink some water. So you know what? Let me read this thing, and that's when I just I broke down because for once it wasn't coming from me. Somebody else who had been following closely put everything together and said it, and that's what changed the game. Because when it was coming from me, it was like me selling my story. It was me selling my hardships. It was me selling. Whatever it was. But when it came from somebody else who didn't know me, I think people felt it a little different. And that just propelled the um, Kickstarter. I think that within the next five days, we went up $8,000. From that article? From one article. It got wow. It got 200 shares. Oh, man, it got so many likes. So many people were talking about it. I'm so thankful to that guy. I can't wait to meet him now that I'm back in town and tell him, give him a hug and tell him how much I care for him. This is the best. He, he doesn't even know. Like you don't even know. I have no clue who this guy is. He's this just, I mean, I know he's a cool guy. <laughs> I know Obviously, <laughs> yeah, he's a pretty cool guy. Yeah, and so I'm so thankful for what he did because he he just was honest about what he was seeing, and he was like, "Hey, this guy's really working hard for us. The least we can do is give him a few pennies." So that was pretty cool. That's that was really awesome, cool. man. That was really cool, man. Well, tell everybody like what they can do to continue supporting. Buy these cool shirts. Yes. So um, whatever else they can do to support this thing, um, you can keep up with us on social media. My website is uh, djrob.co, and what our plan is within the next two months, we have collected a lot of um, footage of what we were doing and before the run. We're going to try to put a documentary together, and then we're going to try and premiere it at the Queen. In downtown Bronner Theater. Oh, and we'll do it free. Awesome. Try and give everybody dinner and free drinks. And then just come support the film. And what we're going to do is use that film to leverage investors and try and make this thing happen. I love it, man. Yep. All right. We'll keep man, up with him. Thank you so much uh, for What's your Instagram? Us. 
My Instagram is at Rob Mwandia. That's R-O-B-M-W-A-N-D-I-A. And that's on all platforms. So Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. It's at Rob Mwandia at Yahoo.com. That's my email. Everybody <laughs> needs to go follow, man. It's really awesome. Thank you so much, man. Hey, Thank thanks, you so Rob. much for having us. Man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it.